All right, it's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. Before we do our normal intros, I just want to say thank you to all of our new subscribers. Whether you found us through our Ruby Riot podcast or the CM Punk one, MJF, any of the wrestlers that you found through us, thank you for sticking around. I just wanted to say that because we don't say thank you enough to the people. But with that being said, first let me introduce a two-time X Division champion, the man behind the man behind the man at Impact Wrestling, my best friend and yours. That's Petey Williams. How's she going, eh? She's going good. Happy uh, what belated Canada Day. This no, no. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We're pre-recorded. We did this. Okay, yeah. Happy Canada Day. You are so bad at this whole podcast scene. You know what? You got two fucking Canadians on a podcast. You got to get this right, Petey. <laughs> I don't I know mean, when this is dropping, so we'll you just know, say happy belated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck my intro. Okay, Dennis. Let me just right. give these. Let me just give Petey shit for the next five minutes. Please. I even know. I even know when Canadian Thanksgiving is. So when go ahead. My intro, please. My hold, hold, intro. T- t- time out. Time out. Before Lars's uh, intro. <laughs> when is Canadian Thanksgiving? It's Ooh. very close to American Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. What <laughs> holiday? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> if this gets too uncomfortable for you, Lars, let me know. Because I, right. I know Taylor knows, okay? so Siri, when is Canadian <laughs> no, 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 no. What holiday? <laughs> what holiday do you yeah. celebrate uh, in, in the United States that coincides with Canadian Thanksgiving? I believe it's either Halloween or Christmas or or Easter or one of those or Thanksgiving or May Day. Okay. Or, you know, I but you know, I'll tell you what, I can't I've been in Canada. I saw in Independence Day, the movie with Will Smith on July 4th in Montreal. Okay. okay good. And but I have been I, I now Canadian Thanksgiving is is December, correct? No, so we'll save this till the end of the podcast. Okay, okay so people stick around. Because we got Taylor here. Yes, so maybe we'll Sorry, fit Taylor. it in. And <laughs> she's staying up late for us, and we're having an argument. Please, with my intro. That's that okay. Lars Fredrickson from the band Rancid. <laughs> 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 Whatever, Petey. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the gym too. I, I love you, Lars. That's all I'm gonna I say. I love you. I love you too, buddy. Uh, let's, let's just say we have a super duper special guest on the podcast. We've all been fans of hers for a very long time. I can't wait to deep dive on her career from wrestling to retirement, back to wrestling. Now podcasting, it's Taylor wild. Yeah. Yay. Hello. Thank you for having me guys. Taylor. I'm just going to just right off the rip, start asking questions. You had a big hiatus in wrestling. You come back and do you feel like your popularity exceeded where you were the first time around, or do you feel like you're still trying to get back some of that momentum after a a very spacious time off? Uh, I think it's like, there's two sides to it. I think a lot of my fans have stuck around, but it's been 10 years. It's a completely different world now. So the internet has kind of changed the trajectory of how people view professional wrestling, you know, Instagram, Twitter, if you have a following on those things, it doesn't even matter if you can wrestle. So uh, I think there's a huge new fan base to get to know. And uh, I think a lot of my wild ones from previous years have uh, stuck along on the ride. And because it was such a long hiatus, I think their kids are involved now. So that makes me feel really useful. Awesome. So uh, before I we go into like when you started with Impact and your career and stuff like that, since we're already on the retirement, so you retired like ten years ago. Yeah. So like I know why I retired the first time. I mean, it was only I call it a hiatus because I was only gone for three years. But you were gone for ten years. Everybody has their own reasons. Uh, you know what? What made you step away from the ring? Well, I'd been going at it like hard, fully committed since. I just turned 18 and Mm. I did it till I was 25 and I'd worked for WWE in that time. I'd worked, you know, five years straight for TNA and I felt like I gave all I could give to women's wrestling at that time. It was changing like impact or TNA, I guess the management was changing what they put the focus on was changing and it wasn't the knockouts anymore. And I was really, really burnt out. I just, I was sick of kind of being a nomad. I, you know, nowhere felt like home anymore. And I was, yeah, I was kind of just sick of being on the road. I needed more. Well, do you think uh, that now that you've come back, 
what is the biggest change that you've seen? Because I mean, obviously the wrestling world, as we all know, we mention it every time that we do a podcast. I think we even talked about it a little bit on yours. Yeah. Was, uh, you know, the whole landscape has changed. So, you know, was that a little bit of a shock for you? No, it was like the opposite. It was a huge motivation for me to come back, especially over the past two or three years. The women that are on the major professional shows, be it Impact, be it WWE, NXT, AEW, those girls can go and they're given time. They have, you know, eight to 12 minutes. They're not, you know, tell a story in four to five minutes. And then right before you get out of gorilla, they're like, okay, shave off a minute because the guys before you went over. (laughs) So no, it was, it was a huge motivator. And I'm actually so excited to be back at this time. My only regret is I wish wrestling was like that before I retired. But um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm in a really uh, unique position being kind of a veteran, but still being young enough to be able to hopefully reintegrate back to where women's wrestling is now. 10 years, when did you start to get the itch? And when you started to sit down and think, all right, I might give this a go again. Mm -hmm. What were your goals? I probably really started to get the itch about a year ago. Um, Cause I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I can turn anything into heroin. I'm either in or I'm out. I'm like fully committed or you know what I mean? So about a year ago, I started to really catch wind of what was going on with women's wrestling. And I just think I, I really want to give back to the business something different. Like, you know, I, I had a great career with my feud with Awesome Kong. Like, I really feel like we made a small imprint on women's wrestling history. But I think there's so much to be done from a backstage perspective with women's wrestling. Um, you know, it's slowly changing. You're seeing more women agents like Gail Kim and Sarita or Sarah Stock was a trainer at WWE. And I think the more women you have backstage and like the managerial position, you're going to only propel women's wrestling further. So, yeah, I wanted the opportunity to wrestle again, but I have bigger career aspirations moving forward and for my poor aging body as well. <laughs> no, I, I know I took that role. So uh, if you want to follow <laughs> my footsteps, I'm yeah, I, I think everybody should. Um, but let, let's go back to I think it was April. Uh, I was there. I believe that was your first match back mm-hmm. in April. And I remember uh, it, that was my first match in a, mm, a year, maybe. That's right. And I remember, I don't know if it was March. I think it was April. And yeah. <laughs> we were taking turns in the ring. I'm like, hey, I got to do some chain wrestling to get my footing back. And then I did about five minutes and I was like, all right, I'm blowing up, but I'm good. I, I'll go wrestle tonight. But uh, that was your first match back too. You got in the ring. I don't remember who you rolled around with. Um, you was Saban. It was Saban as well. Man, he did yeah. us both, huh? Yeah. That guy's a... <laughs> As a worker. Um, so talk about how it was. I mean, no fans, first off. So that's weird. So how was it yeah. with no fans yeah. and just having your first, like, you know, match back? Well, I have been training since probably September pre-COVID. I've lost all track of, like, years and months. Okay. Um, but then with the intermittent lockdowns that Toronto uh, has gone through, it's kind of been sporadic. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had good like ring cardio and I kind of shook off a little ring rest, but I haven't had an actual match in 10 years. Um, So prior to my first match, when I was standing backstage, I've never, ever been nervous before a match. If anything, I've just like been really excited and like butterflies and adrenaline, but my heart was beating so hard. I literally thought it was going to fly out my throat. And I was just like, I'm 35 years old. I'm a mother. What the fuck am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) What? This is a terrible decision. Um, But then when I hit the ramp and I saw the girls in the ring, this is when I did the run-in with Yana and Kimberly and Sue, or Susan, excuse me. And everything just felt right. I felt like I was home. I was looking at these new women that I'd never had ring experience with and everything just felt right. But yeah, it was, it was weird um, without fans, but I think I was just like, so in it, it didn't matter if there was fans or not. Like my, my brain was vibrating from the adrenaline. So I am excited to, to have fans again though. Yeah. 
Well, I got a little bit more of a parental question because PD, you're a dad, you're a mom, you know, you do a very physical job that's demanding and there can be accidents. Yeah. So, you know, and it's gotta be going through your mind. Like I won't even barely ride a motorcycle anymore after I became a dad, you know, like there's certain things I just like, I'm not going to skydive, you know, I'm not going to go swim with sharks. You know, there's certain things I'm just not going to do that I might've done before kids. So, I mean, that, that there, is there any kind of mental um, thing that happens now for you? Because now that you're a mother and now that you're kind of going back into the wrestling thing, I'm just curious to think, to, to, to hear, you know, your perspective, because, you you know, you get a lot of men who are dads, but not, you know. Yeah. um, I feel like it's such a subconscious thing. I feel like wrestling is so much ingrained to who I am that I'm, I feel like confident in my footing and and I feel like I'm probably more agile and sure-footed in the ring than I am, you know, pouring a glass of wine around white carpet and I'm, you know, I'll spill it immediately. (laughs) Um, I, I really don't have a lot of apprehension when it comes to wrestling, but when it comes to my job as a firefighter, when we get dispatched to a fire, I'm always a bit like, ooh, here we go. Or if it's like a bomb threat, you know, immediately I think of my son. Um, but I think because I've wrestled for so long, even though I had a long break, my mind has still been in the zone. I don't do anything that I feel like I'm going to break my neck doing. Like it could happen, you know, stepping on a patch of ice in the middle of Knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I feel like when you, when that is where your mind goes, where you're concerned with everything you do, that is probably when you should punch your card out because- that's when you're going to get hurt. Um, and I, about four years ago, I thought about um, wrestling again, because I was invited to that fa- uh, first um, May Young Classic. It was oh, in yeah. like 2017. And they'd invited me and I thought that was a really cool opportunity. And I didn't want to turn it down. But I had been like, inactive and whatever. So I started training really hard about three days a week. And I was a lot stronger than I had been my first time around in my career because I trained to be like aesthetically pleasing and I didn't have a good diet. And then I became a firefighter. So it was a lot stronger. And I ended up like um, from the mid from the middle of the ring, I was going to like leapfrog over the person, land on the top turnbuckle. But I ended up overshooting the turnbuckle and I headbutted the steel post and I like cut here and here and I don't remember like the headbutt to the like dismount, but like um, I I've never had post concussion syndrome, but I shit you not for about two weeks. I couldn't remember the word the, and it is <laughs> so hard to talk. <laughs> that, that. Um, and I, like, I was like, I've made it to 30 and now I'm like an invalid. Can we say that on the podcast? Is that acceptable? But yeah, like, and we can say fuck too. Okay. I, I think I've already slipped up on that, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, that, that was my first scare. Um, and now I really understand the, um, severity around concussion and post-concussion, post-concussion syndrome. Cause I've had my bell rung tons of times since I was a child like I always played hard and I ran with the boys and uh, you know boys are mean and kids are mean and that was like a cumulative effect and I finally you know I I I was scared but um so that's why I didn't do the (laughs) the young challenge but this time I wasn't I wasn't afraid I was like that was a freak thing it happens I made it this far in my career and I've kind of not looked back because obviously I have a screw loose. So Dennis, before you ask your question, I just want to talk about concussions because it's just, it is something I do know about because I was a soccer coach. Um, you know, I've since retired, but I was, you know, for my kids, I've, I've heard that most concussions and you, maybe you can, since you're a firefighter and I've heard most concussions happen from in the, from the midsection. Oh, that I, I, I didn't even know, but okay. Um, yeah. Uh, well, safety, safety, Lars is here. I just wanted to let everybody know we're all good. Okay, Dennis, you, sorry. Are you Lars? <laughs> no problem, no problem. I don't want to blow Pete's spot up, but uh, Pete and I had a conversation when he was coming back, and I don't know, Pete, if you remember this, and it was the only time I've ever seen 
PD uncertain about something and we're sitting there talking and he's like, I'm thinking about coming back. I'm not sure people will remember me. I kind of, you know, three years in wrestling, the whole world kind of revolves super quick. Yeah. And I'm like, Pete, come on, you're, you're PD Williams. People will remember you. He's like, yeah, I know. But you know, everything moves around fast. You're coming back with no fans. Were, did you have that same uncertainty? How did you get over that? You know, it didn't even occur to me because I guess I've remained active on social media. Um, and it, it like, of, of course, if there was no fans, there wouldn't be a show and we wouldn't be able to do what we do. But I just figured um, the hell with it. Like, I'm just I'm just going for it. Uh, and, you know, the, the fans will come if you build it, they will come. Well, I mean, I, I remember it's different because. You know, we get the piped in crowd noise now. Right. So, you know, when Taylor Wilde comes out, everybody fucking knows her, right? Because, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just noticed because I'm like, oh, I, I heard the fan reaction when I watched it back. It was awesome. But uh, all right. So let's go back. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your career. So uh, you work for WWE, uh, most, uh, you know, developmental back when it was prior to NXT. It was Deep South Wrestling. So how did that all uh you know, uh, come to be like, did somebody contact you? Did you contact them? Did you have an in with somebody? Uh, yeah. What happened with that? So my trainer, Rob Fuego, he came up with Edge, Christian and mm -hmm. Rhino. Um, and that was, you know, off the back of Edge and Christian having immense fame. Uh, but I think uh, Adam was on one of his uh, downtime from his neck surgery. Mm -hmm. And he was in Toronto and he was always dropping by, check out the school um obviously there's always a smaller percentage of women so we stand out like a sore thumb i'd probably been training for about a year and a half about two years and working on the indies and um rob had given me a glowing review as much as rob could do such a thing and uh adam put a stamp of approval and passed it along to tommy dreamer and i had my first tryout in buffalo and nothing happened from there um and then i think six months later i was invited down to deep south and bill demont and i hit it off really well and then i was hired and i was hired two months before i turned 20 so i was just able to buy beer in canada for a year and then i moved to the states and i had um, to go back to being like dude can you like buy me some beer you're asking like you're asking like brian cage hey can you buy me some beer yeah. or something yeah <laughs> i don't even think i buy smokes so i could join the army but i can't buy beer i can't buy beer yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little backwards um i get uh, with all your time down there with the wwe up north and um what was the biggest difference coming out of that place that you noticed in and in, in the other places that you went oh god i think the shorter list is uh so with WWE, that is the place that you are going to get fame and you internationally and you are going to make money. There's no doubt about that. But you basically check your soul at the door. You have zero creative control, even though they hired you for who you are, who you develop as a character. They strip that away from you and they tell you who they want you to be, which sometimes works out and for the most part it, it generally doesn't because you're wearing this suit that doesn't feel right it doesn't fit and sometimes they literally just set you up for failure um it's obviously a business it's heavily political um and if you don't know how to play ball then your career isn't going to be very very long um i'm really terrible at playing ball i'm not a schmoozer um i'm pretty introverted and as a female that doesn't bode overly well in that company they want you out for drinks they want you um you know doing the thing doing the thing that actresses and models do much better and they don't like opinions especially from workers so but that was my experience in you know 2005 so i can't speak for how that company acts now um but when i went to tna it was like a breath of fresh air. You could speak to your agents freely. You could speak to upper management to some extent and your opinion mattered and they wanted you to have ideas and you had, you know, some sort of creative control, even if you were essentially nobody. 
Um, so it was, you're not going to be, you know, a millionaire working at impact. This is not a secret or, you know, formerly TNA. <laughs> PD, you know, you have another well, job too, right? PD um, gets his wait. checks from AEW. <laughs> yeah, I do. And wait, hold on. You're telling me you get paid for going on impact? Hold like, on. I'm, I got I got a cost. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's just like a slice of pizza and a pat on the ass. But um, <laughs> but mostly. Um, so like the dichotomy was completely different. And even, you know, being young and kind of money hungry and like, you know, loving the big show of what WWE was, I, my soul was like totally destroyed. I was ready to call it quits after my time in developmental and I was only there for a year. Like I had already re-enrolled in university uh, in Toronto and I had moved back home and I, I was like, that's it. Like if that is what it's like to be like a professional wrestling superstar, then fuck it. I'm, I'm not interested the landscape of women's wrestling changed and you kind of mentioned that when you were getting ready to get back into it did you have to sit down and and look at who is where and who are the new young young talents out there or do you just kind of jump in and be like i'm just doing the taylor wild thing and if i come across somebody and introduce myself to them then we'll go from there no um like i said i was completely motivated by this uh new influx of female wrestlers. Um, so I, I definitely did my homework. And one of the reasons I wanted to come back to Impact is I think they have one of the most diverse and solid roster of female wrestlers. Um, so I was just more intrigued and selfishly excited to jump back in and like, I don't know what the Taylor Wilde thing is per se, like it worked 10 years ago, but I am pretty adaptable and I like to learn and I'm back because, you know, I've kind of come back in like a privileged position where I'm a bit of a veteran. So I feel like the girls look at me a little different than someone who's just coming back in, but I want to learn from them as much as they want to learn certain things from me. And I think it's a really healthy uh, give and take. So well, so how, uh, since we're talking about impact and how much you love it, I love it too. All right. It's great to be there. Um, how did you first, well, I know how you first started with them. I was there, but like who, who contacted you? Be like, Hey, you're going to be the one that we plant in the crowd. That, that's when it started. Right. With the yeah. awesome Kong stuff. Yeah. How, like, did Scott contact you and say like, Hey, we're going to use you for this. You're going to be the one that wins the title, all that kind of stuff. How, how did that start? So I I think originally what happened was uh, when WWE released me and they have that like 90 day no compete clause, mm -hmm. I called Scott and I said, okay, well, I'm living in Tampa. I'll stay here if there's any you know openings for me, but otherwise I'm going home and that's it. And this was off the back of like, as WWE does, like a major firing. Mm -hmm. So they had just hired like 12 or 13 new girls had hired like Angelina and ODB and whatever. So he's like, sorry, bad timing. There's no space for you. So I went home and I got on with my life. And then six months later, Scott called. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened to me too. I moved away from Florida. Then they started using me. And it's like, yeah. what? you guys have it backwards. Anyway. I know. And I was like, I'm not moving back. So. So Scott called you. Then what was the, what was the next steps? Um, he said he wanted me to come down for a tryout and I I believe my tryout match was with Raisha Saeed. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cheerleader, Melissa. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So that was a, that was awesome. Cause I knew Melissa from, you know, the Indies and years before, and that was a great introduction. And then I don't believe it was, you know how it works. I don't think it was until like day of that. I had any idea that that was how they were introducing me into the company because you got to remember when i left wwe it was vince mcmahon's baby to have me be a japanese boy and yeah so i was <laughs> so i was yeah so i uh sendai was my name so i was wrestling um, that's a fucking city <laughs> yeah, oh my god they're so creative and like, oh my god borderline racist um <laughs> So I was wearing like an ill-fitting double meshed eye, like hood with like eye mesh face, like kind of, do you remember Delirious's hood with all the like, yeah, all the, yeah, yeah, similar to that, um, like 
uh, like shoulder pads, abs, um, like Cebu pants and oversized kick pads, because here's the joke. So they wanted me to wrestle the cruiserweights for the intergender, intergender title win. Um, what is it? Not cruiserweight. Um, what was the division? The. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but they wouldn't let me train in the gear and I didn't have anyone to make the gear. So I was literally wrestling on house shows against Jamie Noble in these like 20 minute lucha matches that I had no experience wrestling in this oversized shit. So it it was a failure anyways. So then debuting in TNA and finding out that I'm literally being parachuted into the knockouts division as like essentially a nobody after these women had spent months building up the division and I was just going to slide in as a fan and become knockouts champion. I was like, cool. I'm going to have lots of friends here. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) But, um, you know, awesome Kong Kia is an incredible talent. Um, and I've learned so much from her, but she didn't give it to me. You know what I mean? Like she, she definitely like young girl me. She wasn't like being my friend. She didn't hold my hand. She wasn't talking to me before the match. It was like, all right, they're going to give you the title, earn it. Yeah. And then I did. And we were like Ebony and Ivory for like three years. So it worked out. Awesome. (laughs) Well, you know, what do you think about what's happening in in the world today where you got, you know, the professional wrestling world anyway, Um, with the promotions working together, seems like there's a lot of more. Um, there's there's more opportunity for wrestlers to be creative like you said before what's more important to you as as, you know on a personal level is it the paycheck or the create the the creative freedom 100 the creative freedom like money is nice but i have a full-time job and i worked really hard to get that career and it's relatively well paid and i have a pension Uh, I got back into wrestling because it's a passion. It's a love. It's a labor of love. And um, I think wrestling, you know, it ebbs and flows and it's at a really exciting point again. And it's, I think, having a resurgence in the world in pop culture. So for me, I just, I want to have fun and I kind of want to rectify what I feel like I missed out doing the first time in my career because I was too young too polite, too Canadian. And um, ah. <laughs> I, uh, I used to have a little bit of a filter, but that fell off. So I, I feel like I'm in a much better place to kind of do my thing now. Can you walk me through the conversation with your supervisors about you coming <laughs> back to wrestling? Well, here's the thing, like <laughs> being a firefighter, it's not exactly like an HR PC world. It's like being in a band. Pretty much. There I didn't even have a name for the first three years of my <laughs> career. Like they just called me the wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> so um I work at a pretty busy fire hall. It's uh two trucks, an aerial, a rescue, and the chief. Mm-hmm. And uh they were just like awesome. They were so excited. They're, the only thing that bummed them out is because of COVID that they couldn't take uh, a bus down to Nashville and tailgate in the parking lot and have body paint on and embarrass the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> like a, I feel like if I had a, a regular job, it would be a much more entertaining conversation, but they were probably just as excited as I was. So uh, my question will be quick. Um, so, uh, you uh, you missed the last set of tapings, right? Mm-hmm. But now, you know, uh, are, are, are we you giving her her papers right now, Petey? <laughs> this is the most awkward podcast is this, ever. Uh, yeah, is this the end? Is this why it's going to be so quick? <laughs> Thanks, Petey. What the fuck? So, we have nothing so, for you. Uh, good luck in your future endeavor. Uh, yeah. Thank so, you, Taylor. We appreciate you coming on, but we're going to have to go now. I hate being <laughs> office now. I really do. I stayed up for this shit. <laughs> so, um, what, what, you know, what we want to know is like, can we expect to, uh, you know, see you back now? Yes. 
Yes, I'm fucking back. I had a little bit of a life crisis happens. I seem to be uh, pretty competent in uh, my career uh, as a mother, but uh, other aspects of my life have not been so stellar. So I've closed another chapter and um, it, it was a slight interruption in my wrestling comeback, but whatever. Taylor Wild, fucking wild. So I'm back. All right. Well, can't wait to see it, uh, you know, at, at the tapings then. Hey. What are you looking forward to the most in this journey here? I mean, what, I mean, cause you've obviously learned so much. You've taken the time off, you know what I mean? Is it all just about having fun or is it just the experience of it all? Or what is it? I guess it's just, uh, pushing my own limits. And uh, like I said, I feel like there's a lot of unfinished business that I didn't get to do because women's wrestling was not in a place that I could do when I wanted the first time around. And I feel like now I'm in a place where, you know, I, I'm hoping I can help propel women's wrestling a little bit further and, um, you know, grow essentially. Uh, like I said, I love the business and, I don't know what my ultimate goal is, but I know I'm back and I'm back for a while, no matter what that looks like. So I don't know. It's it's kind of about having fun. It's I don't. It's wrestling. It's supposed to be fun. I don't want it all to be about business. I've got a job. Yeah, I, that's why I came back, man. It's fun. It's a passion. Yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. Well, yeah. Women's West wrestling though is a far cry than for for where we are now with it. Oh, as opposed to ten years ago, where it was like, you know, it wasn't even a, it was like the Bella Twins. Like yeah, that, that, like that's well, what we got. Train, you're welcome, Bella. Well, you you did a Thank poor you. job, but anyways, <laughs> they're, they're terrible. So, anyways, um, that uh, never mind. That's all I got. I'm sorry. I, that whatever, Dennis. Oh, all right. Let's talk about your podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about your podcast for a second. Getting hot over here. I'm getting hot. That was a seamless segue, by the way. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> we we've been practicing this whole thing all week. He was yeah. pretending to be angry. Yeah. yeah. He's fake. Yeah. I got the He's, green juice. I'm like fucking Popeye over here. You like him when he gets angry. Um. So your podcast i know when pete started doing it he was very apprehensive about asking his buddies to be on the podcast this time around though he's very liberal with it because he's been asking <laughs> you so many podcasts he's like screw it what are they gonna tell me no yeah but going from being a wrestler to being asked to be on every single podcast probably even in retirement to now starting your own has it changed the way you view the podcast industry yeah, because one of the reasons I wanted to start my own podcast is because being interviewed by wrestling fans is fucking painful. Is it painful for you? <laughs> I just want like, to ask you now, is it painful? No, this is great. Thank you. But no, it's 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 fucking horrible. They ask you, and like I mean this in the most genuinely like <laughs> proactive kind of way. But like <laughs> way to try to save this. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm really trying to be a nice person. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's painful. And like, every time I've had to do press and I've had to do media, like I cringe because I don't want to, I don't want to answer the same five questions about myself. It's boring. Um, and one of the reasons I started a podcast, especially that focused on, um, female wrestlers is there's limited information about female wrestlers, because let's be honest, most of the fans are male and, um, they have ulterior motives why they're interested in women's wrestling no shade um but a lot of female professional wrestlers especially because they're my friends and family have so many layers they're their moms are entrepreneurs they're musicians they're academics and nobody knows this so you know through casual conversation and being this you know beam of light that i am i wanted to bring that out and spread it into the world so I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I'm not even just wrestling wise. Like I, I'm a big fan of everything. Basically it's an easy way to get information without having to read a book because as a parent, you don't have a ton of time. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way about the podcast that you do. I'm like, you know, sometimes I'll get the itch, especially when uh, I, I like we're trying to promote something. Like for example, if we want to promote this podcast, uh, I'll go on like a binge for a week and 
like everybody that asks me to do a podcast, I'll do it. And then I'll be doing the podcast and I'll be like, why did I agree to do this? <laughs> and then I won't do it for like a year or something. So that happens once a year. It's like Christmas or whatever. But anyways, so um, I want to go to the, because uh, I've never seen it, that slam bam documentary on the discovery channel you were a part oh, of that yeah okay so talk about that and then have you ever been a part of any other like uh reality shows um because i i know i did a few like made and uh, um oh, I did all do worked made. up and stuff you did do made i did do made all right yeah. so talk what about the slam bam. well she'll talk about it in a sec no okay. some canadian thing i bet no no it's on mtv man well duh that's why i've never heard of it okay <laughs> And um, so uh the documentary was for the discovery channel and it was when i was relatively new probably a year into the business and it was following the science behind professional wrestling so it would like they would literally uh have scientists come into the uh, squared circle gym where i was a student and they would do these like science experiments and literally like drop a watermelon from the top turnbuckle and measure the velocity at which it hits the uh, ring. And they did all these measurements and analyses and it was actually pretty incredible, um, which makes me believe that there's something more wrong with me because they ruled out <laughs> that every time you take a bump, it's like being in a head-on collision going 60 clicks an hour or mm -hmm. miles per hour. I don't know what you guys mean. Yeah, kilometers, miles, whatever. The other one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit. <laughs> Boring. Celsius. <laughs> um, and actually on that documentary, they also studied, uh, you know, typical injuries of professional wrestlers. And I was doing a crossbody off the top rope. And I don't know if it's because the cameras were rolling or it was just one of those freak things. I ended up... Um, landing with this hand flat and this hand like this I, and my like palm touched my forearm oh. and my wrist didn't break but like everything else did so it was like the nutty professor the next morning but that injury was like forever in the world of television to remember but it, it was a great experience and uh yeah then i did mtv made which was awesome because i i liked the show even though which Lars... one did you do like what was uh who, who'd you do it was it the angelina love one or what yeah uh, so what, what was that one well, well tell everybody because lars doesn't know what mtv what made is <laughs> you know and it's probably doesn't know either but <laughs> probably like 90 you know, percent of our but, listeners but, don't know either but listen i haven't watched mtv since they stopped playing music videos I, th this was this was probably like in what because i did mine in probably 2008 or nine or something you, you yeah. might have done yours in like 2010 yeah that was sounds right was tough enough on mtv no uh, i don't know i thought that was uh, on usa wasn't it uh, there you go i'm a fucking dinosaur Taylor, please. So, so yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to explain made, you can. Uh, I can explain what made is if if you want. Oh, PD, well. you go. Okay, so this made is, is pretty show. much. Uh, you know, it, it's like weird types of things where they they take people and they want it. Like for example, this on mine, it was a 16 year old high school kid. He wanted to become a professional wrestler. So they take all the steps and go through it and they film it until they have a professional wrestling match. I think on that season, somebody wanted to be a cheerleader. So they do all the training and all that kind of stuff. And it's just different types of weird things and you train and you do it. So, so talk about um, yours and what, uh, how, how that ended and uh, you know, who the kid was and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it was a 16 year old uh, female and I believe she was in grade 10 or 11, but huge wrestling fan wanted to become a professional wrestler and uh on the show she's introduced to me and i'm her like trainer and then i surprise her that i'm her tag team partner and we have our match against beautiful people and because of my stellar training she won the match yep yeah same thing we did uh me or no because it's real it, it's so real this is how fake it is uh Hopefully MTV made doesn't get canceled for this, even though they probably got canceled like 10 years ago. Um, so it was motor C machine guns and the 16 year old kid against like uh, me and Tyson Dukes and Nate Matson or something. And you know, the kid had to beat Nate, you know, us and pin yeah. Nate Matson. And, uh, but I remember when they, when the machine guns presented, 
this kid, his name was Chris with the, with his new wrestling gear. They were like, you know, and they're filming it and everything. And he's like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And genuinely he was surprised. Right. And then the director goes, all right, cut. All right. Do the exact same thing, but do it from the angle over here. I got to get a better shot. And he's like, act surprised again. And that's how all the filming was. And I'm like, Okay, that's 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 reality shows. So yeah. by the way, I can't say enough nice things about Nate Matson, who is a dead loveless watching the show and great guy, yeah. phenomenal guy. There's a name drop for Nate Matson right there. We'll have Hi, him. Hi, Nate. Oh well, yeah, that's right. Nate, everybody knows Nate. Yeah, well, what I want is Madsen is is he a Dane then? Is he Danish? Uh, I don't know. With that is, with that last name? I don't know because I don't even know if that's his real last name, and I've known him for twenty years. <laughs> You're a shitty friend. I guess so. <laughs> you know what? I think, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, my question is two parts, actually. First question, part of the question is, how stoked are you that the little Asian boy gimmick in the MC Hammer pants didn't get over right now? And then number two, because you'd be sitting here completely different. And number two, like, how would, when you were, were like, presented with that idea how the hell did you think that you were going to get that over okay if you so, can have a little you know revisionist history for sure so to speak not so, revisionist history but a look back <laughs> in theory it made sense and when you're sitting next to vince mcmahon he's intimidating like he's basically the god of wwe and when it's his baby and he says jump you say how high and um, it didn't make any sense as soon as we got the wheels in motion. And I had like the strongest agents working with me. I had Arn Anderson, I had Dean Malenko and Jamie Noble is probably one of like the most underrated wrestler, even though, you know, he, he can barely talk, bless his West Virginia raised heart. Um, but <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how it was ever going to work because, you know, if I'm beating the cruiserweight, how am I ever going to lose to any of the what's your Well, what I want to know is what's your fucking promo like? Like, are you, I mean, you're well, I was Japanese. So like, I, I just like, I did the, I did the things. So I didn't have to talk, but the, the deal was I have a few matches as Sendai. I go through the division and then I become intercontinental champion or whatever the hell it was. I don't even remember. It was, it was traumatic and blocked it out. And, um, and then I'm revealed as the newest SmackDown raw diva. I don't, I don't even know where they're. Oh, okay. So there, so there was, there was an, there was a, there a was. plot twist. So okay. what actually ended up happening was the person who was, that champ at the time had a fucking white male fucking like breakdown basically like a full tantrum like i'm not willing to lose to a woman um like i'm can taller. you name that person nah, he knows who he is Time out. What what year and what month was this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to find the information because actually, I told the story on my podcast because I felt like this is my story, this is my truth, and uh, whether or not anyone wants to believe that's what happened, like I'd be a fucking asshole to tell a story like that if it that didn't indeed happen. Um, so I didn't tell my story to slander anyone and I've always protected his name to some extent, but like he went on Twitter and he was like, she's a fucking idiot. She knew what she's talking about. My dick is bigger than her dick. So like, whatever. Um, but it, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And in the long run, that storyline really wouldn't have made a lot of sense. And they actually originally had that idea for Gail Kim. Mm. Um, again, Racist, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it didn't didn't work out for Gail either. So well, so hold on, uh, just I'm a little confused. Okay, I just want to follow oh, up. We're on this, all so. fucking confused. I know, Katie. but no, I just want to know like aesthetically wise. So yes, they wanted you to be a Japanese boy, so a male, right? You're yes. a female being Reapable portrayed as a male. Correct. So how are they gonna like 
cover up your, like your boobs, like your, your physical, like female features. What did the costume like kind of. That's why the baggy, the baggy. Yeah. Okay. The baggy pants, but like, was the top a little baggy too, or was it like, like, full transparency pre pre boob job. So when I was hired with WWE, I was built very much like a 14 year old boy. And that, but if they were going to put this for Gail, like how are they going to the Good luck. Good luck. Okay. Like there would be a lot of sexually confused men in the front row being like, okay, but like, no, (laughs) I'm already (laughs) (laughs) like no judgment either. Like whatever, like happy pride. But um, yeah, like, it made sense for me because mm-hmm. the way the gear was designed, like you could kind of get away with it. Uh, but for Gail, like I'm like curvy city. I don't, I don't think that they would have been able to get away with mm-hmm. it, but their thought process was okay. Here's a woman that can work. She can go with the guys, give her this exposure. It's a different storyline than they've gone with, but I just is a lot of egos in that company you know yeah i don't want to lose to a girl me well we have time for one more question (laughs) and i wish i could take credit for this question and some one of our fans emailed us and asked asked us why when we have former wwe stars we never ask about their interactions with vince mcmahon i thought because he kind of compared it to like a Mark Marin. Every time he has somebody on that was with Saturday Night Live, he goes down a rabbit hole of Lauren Michael stories. Right. So I guess you're going to be the first person I ask this question to. Do you have an interesting Vince McMahon story? No, I was fucking terrified of him. I was 20 years old. I was just like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Oh, no. that's why you thought you were Japanese. You didn't even <laughs> speak to him. He was like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I blame it on a great Japanese character. (laughs) Light bulb. (laughs) Yeah, I blame all of this on the concussion, but it was a much better pre-concussion. So, all right. Well, I guess I guess my last question is: uh, so obviously you're back in Impact. We got this forbidden door. You see Kenny Omega coming in our locker room. You see, you know, a lot of the other AEW guys coming in locker room, and you know, Moose going over to AEW. Forbidden doors open, right? So. Who are you looking forward to wrestling, like whether it be an Impact or AEW or even New Japan or whatever? Yeah. Like, because you haven't been around for 10 years. A lot of these, you know, uh, lady wrestlers, they haven't, they've started when you were pretty much already, you know, in your retirement and stuff. So who, who do you want to kind of, you know, get in the ring with? Well, I'm going to give the, you know, the real quintessential answer of Diana Perrazzo. She's the knockouts champ. I, I want to take back which something that was mine once um but truthfully like i i you know i'm not gonna beat a dead horse but like i'm interested in all the women talent that's out there like bring it on like there's so much talent the pool is so deep it's so diverse and i think it's a really great place to be in professional wrestling right now with all the major companies with the crossover competition is good for wrestling it pushes everybody to their limits and uh yeah, that's the one thing they haven't touched yet. We haven't seen any crossover with the women. So again, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, how it, un- how it all unfolds. I guess my last question, I just had it in my mind and then it left, but. Um, well, I'll ask another one, Lars, while you, uh, while you think of that. Okay. Please, please. So you, you shush. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo, okay, you win the Knockouts Championship, right? Now we're in the age where men and women wrestle each other. So, what men do you want to wrestle now? Ooh. Impact in AEW. You got like your Kenny Omegas, you got your like Sammy Callahans, like you name it. Because I know that that wasn't a thing back, you know, 10 no. years ago. And like, I, on it, I guess it was like an old fart. I don't even know how I feel about intergender wrestling because it was such a taboo thing. Mm-hmm back in our day like it was you know you had intergender tag matches but it was like really really hokey it was like trip spots or like wedgie mm-hmm. spots or someone gets pants um <laughs> and as fake as wrestling is whoa sorry sorry there's no santa um <laughs> <laughs> i say the exact same thing <laughs> Bullshit. That's why we're friends. No, Santa Claus is a real thing. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd like to hold on to some sort of 
integrity and, you know, I'm five foot two, I'm like 130 pounds. I don't know, like the level of believability, like, sure. I could like run some spots and I could do some, you know, high shit. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I, I totally don't know how I feel about intergender wrestling. So if you book it, I will do it. But I just, I, I don't know. Like I'm not Tessa Blanchard. I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a that's big question mark. He's boy though. <laughs> yeah. Even though you, you've, okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, I remembered my last question. So everybody, you know, um, how much wrestling do you actually consume now? Ooh. Um, I, it's definitely weekly. Uh, I, I try to, you know, I have the beautiful thing of everything being on demand and on the internet, like a good few hours every week, especially because of COVID. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't give you a specific number, but I actually probably watch wrestling a lot more now than I did in the first half of my career. And I probably associate that more with burnout and I like women's wrestling. I'm gender biased because it's what I do. Um, and there's so much more women's wrestling to watch now that well, is of interest. You, right. But do you watch? Because like, you know, for me listening to a record, it's very hard for me to like tap out and not think about how it's made or how the sound or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I have to really love the band in order to kind of just take myself out of the equation. Does that happen to you when you're watching? Yeah. For sure. And, uh, you know, watching different talent with different companies and just what's making each company tick and how they're representing certain talent. And I'm definitely way more consumed in it than I was. But again, my time is limited. So I binge, you know what I mean? Like I have a full time job and I'm a single mom and I have my podcast. And so I can't say I watch like six hours of wrestling a day. But when I'm at work, I have more quiet time. So I sit around and I catch up on NXT and I watch our own product and I watch AEW and then I get down the YouTube hole and yeah, it's ours. It's a lot more than I used to watch. That's for sure. I'm not like watching as much wrestling as you do, but like who does? I can't really name anybody. (laughs) Well, Taylor Wilde, you are my f- new favorite almost intercontinental champion. <laughs> Nailed I, it. I, yes. Uh, <laughs> for everybody, go find way. Uh, was it Wild On? Wild On. Yes, is the name of the podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Everywhere. Um, yeah, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on every major podcast platform. Um, we originate from Anchor, but yeah, you can find us everywhere. And your Twitter and- handle and stuff? is at real taylor wild and it's on tiktok and all the videos from the podcast are also on youtube the youtube channel is called wild on respectively that's it wow for everybody at home podcast is over for us we'll say our goodbyes off the air thank you guys so much for checking out this week's wrestling perspective taylor wild everybody thank you thank you